Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? amen. In, the, in Sunday services, I'm dealing with school of destiny. And, and the essence is to equip you with setting biblical truths that we all fulfill our destiny. And uh, I want to say this first thought tonight. Never ever come to the place in your life where you feel like you have learned all there is about any subject. Always be open to learn. Always be open to learn. And that's very important. Let your heart be open to learn. Then the Wednesdays, I want to do something that I call Kingdom Leadership Schools and just, just want to equip you or equip us where our leadership is concerned. And I want to share thoughts uh, today on humility. Humility. Just getting you ready for whatever God has in store for you. John Maxwell defined leadership as influence. And I've always said this, leadership is exerting influence. Now, when we talk about Kingdom Leadership School, the reason I didn't want to put these as a special school for people to enroll and people to register is many times, especially as a pastor, when we start mentoring people, nurturing people in the faith, you always find that certain people feel that they are not leaders. They always cut themselves out. Right? And you have to keep encouraging them and you know, sharing the truths of God's word because our concept of leadership has always been the brightest, the biggest, and the ones in position. But if we go by the definition of leadership by John C. Maxwell, which is obviously one of the most popular definitions of leadership, which I actually agree with personally, is if leadership is influence, that means everybody is a leader. Why? Because every one of us here is influencing someone. Right? Some, some of us are wearing the hairstyles we are wearing because we saw it in our friends. It's, it's subconscious influence. But it's influence. If you were to come to church today, come for fellowship today, and maybe someone said, oh, and said something, and you didn't come, that's influence. Fathers have influence over their children, knowingly and unknowingly. Mothers, of course, you know, have influence over their children. Elder brothers have influence over younger brothers, siblings. So there's, there's influence in every aspect of life. You just have to be intentional about your use of influence. Let's say, for instance, as a, as a pastor, I mean, of, of course, because of my position, I've got influence. But if I come in dressed in a certain way, you would realize that uh, 
After a while, a couple of people will begin to dress that way. Even though you didn't say, all of you should dress this way. Are you following that? They would just follow you that way. And so, understanding that we all have influence, it becomes important that we develop ourselves in such a way that this influence is used rightly. Now, a lot of people God used in the scriptures were leaders in various spheres of society. Many people that God used were not pastors. They were not prophets. Some people that were remarkably great in scriptures were normal people who excelled in their field of endeavor. And one of the things I'm trusting the Lord to help us achieve in this uh, leadership development of ours is I want every one of you in whatever field you occupy to exert the influence of God. To bring the influence of God. And when we talk about dominating the world, we're not just talking about being in positions, uh, sorry, we're not just talking about getting to the top of our career, but rather as salt of the earth, we are doing what? We are preserving the earth and bringing right values to the earth. Now, let me show you a man. How many of you know Nimrod? Know Nimrod? How many of you have heard the name Nimrod before? Let me see. Okay. Genesis chapter 8. Nimrod. Genesis chapter 10, verse 8 to 10. Genesis chapter 10, verse 8 to 10. Now, Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He became a mighty one on the earth. Now, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. You know, if they had not told us that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, and they just told us that he was, a, he was um, sorry, if they just told us in verse 8 that he became a mighty one on the earth, what would have come to your mind? Right? Would you ever think of a hunter being referred to as a mighty one? Say, come on. If they tell you someone was a hunter, <laughs> what's, what's your perception of that person going to be? Oh, no, just a hunter. But look at the scripture. It says, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. His hunting was before the Lord. <laughs> he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, it became a parable to say, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. One of the greatest problems we have in our society today is that there are certain professions that are exalted and there are certain professions that are demeaning. Right? And so, uh, it, which is interesting, which is interesting because even in, in, in churches, we also find it that way. So you realize that someone here is probably a carpenter or a hunter or a seamstress or a fashion person and we don't really think that you know, that's right. But when you say you're a doctor, you're an accountant, you're an engineer, then you look like a mighty one before the Lord. And it's interesting because some people will be doctors and engineers here and then they'll go overseas and, for instance, they don't have enough jobs, they'll go there and flip burgers and do security work, right? 
and there they would they would feel big because if they ask you here, they say, Where's your brother? So it's, it's abroad. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? So it just shows you that there was nothing wrong with that in the first place. It's because of the culture that we look down on certain things. Now, pay close attention to where I'm going. And it affects believers because when believers do not find themselves in certain roles, even their own self-esteem is affected. So they are, not, they are no longer confident. Because they feel like, oh, I'm not in this high position. I'm not in this place. So, you know, they begin to feel low. Even what Christ has done for them makes no meaning to them. And that's why one of the greatest things you can ever do as a leader that is developing, learn to pay attention to people who do certain kinds of jobs. Hmm? I learned it many years ago. When you go to the restaurant and a waiter serves you, um, treat them like human beings. Not when they bring the food. You now look at it. See, I said fried rice. My friend, I said fried rice. Relax. Relax. It shows who you are. Are you following what I'm saying? The driver that is... And the driver that drives you. Respect them. Have a heart of humility, which is what we're going to talk about today, towards people. Your tailor, your cleaner, it reflects your heart. Don't just, you see, and we, and Christians sometimes, when God has lifted you, most times people forget where God is bringing them from. Praise God. Learn. To see everyone in the image of God. Learn it. And this will reflect on how you develop your leadership capacity. There are no high jobs in the kingdom and there are no low jobs in the kingdom. Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. He made it to scriptures. Okay? So I, I, I read this to say... Uh, people who exerted leadership, who exerted influence, and you could see that Nimrod had influence because the Bible says, therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. So, it became popular that people would say, oh, this guy is like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, which means he exerted influence. And he did his hunting before the Lord. If your father was a hunter, would you be proud that he was a hunter? <laughs> Praise God. Number two, Abraham. You know, God used Abraham mightily. But you know, Abraham was a farmer, was a cattle rearer. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2. Now Abraham was rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. Abraham was a, was a farmer. He did farming, was into livestock, was into silver, was into gold. I'm just showing you people that God used necessarily did not hold the microphone. The people who served as leaders. There were people in their regular jobs who had a walk with God. 
Praise God. And they were effective. Now go to Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. Remember when Lot was captured? The Bible says, when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men, burning his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. 318 servants trained in his house. The Bible says, born in his house. Don't forget, this was a man that was still looking for his own child. Hmm? He wasn't... Uh, imagine trusting God for your own child and you have 318 living with you. Trained in your house. Born in your house. Abraham was a leader. An effective leader as such. Praise God. An effective leader as such. Abraham was a leader. Now, Daniel, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3. You know Daniel? Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3. You know, when we read the story of Daniel, it's very interesting. Daniel in the lion's den. You know, it's very good when you're teaching children. Trust God. If Daniel was in the lion's den, if God delivered Daniel... You know, God will deliver you. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Until you lock the children's teacher with cockroach in the room and you hear her screaming. You now realize that Daniel was in the lion's den. You are in one flat with cockroach and you're running. <laughs> it's not as easy as we read it. You know, the scriptures put for us very high standards in our life. Praise God. You know, Pastor Mary was studying the book of Mark and she shared the scripture with me. I, when I read it, I laughed. You know, she shared it with me today. And I, I actually never seen that scripture. And she was asking me, why, why, would, why did they put this in the Bible? I said, because, the, you see, the Bible is a real book. Right? When they were arresting Jesus, uh, <laughs> you know, the scripture talked about the young man who wore a, a linen cloth. That when the mob wanted to arrest him, he, he left his cloth and ran naked. <laughs> you would ask yourself, what is that doing in the Bible? You see, it's just showing you that this is a real book with real stories. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They wanted to catch the man. The guy left and ran naked. And he made the Bible for it. <laughs> so, your life is not different. If the Bible were to be written in our days, some of you would make it. Not as apostles, but as the one who ran. Daniel 6.3 Then this Daniel began, began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Daniel was a foreigner who worked in a government office. And, you know, Daniel is, is I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the life of Daniel. And we will take time, the Lord giving us the permission to study the life of Daniel. The Bible says when he came to his job, there was no negligence. Nothing was found wrong with Daniel's job until they said, listen, if we're going to catch Daniel, it has to do with the law of his God. His job, no fault was fine. For some of us, they dare not check our jobs. We are gone. You see, I've always told you this in this church. Learn 
to be excellent in your job. Learn it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Whatever you do, if you're a cleaner, learn to clean properly. If you're a tailor, sew things uh, with, that does not require explanation. You are a hair person. <laughs> Let what they show you and what you do be the same. You're someone that cooks. Excellent. Christians should be the best, listen to me, in whatever they do. Be the best. Don't learn to manage mediocrity. Don't, don't, don't get used to it. And the reason... I, I like to emphasize this is because we live in a society where people get away with things. Where uh, excellence is not rewarded. So, if, because excellence is not rewarded in our society, you can just develop yourself and live yourself that way. Because sometimes if you're at your workplace and you want to do things excellent, it's your people that will tell you, hey, what do you, which award do you want to win now? This thing, which award do you want to win? Because we live in a society that gets away with anything. And don't be that way. When we look all through scriptures, we see examples of Christians who rose to leadership and influence, not pastors, just people going about their hunting job, their uh, working government, everything. Just level of excellence brought in to whatever they do. It must be a core virtue of your life every day. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. All right. Now, when we talk about leadership, Jesus redefines godly leadership. Come with me to Matthew chapter 20. We're just looking at the virtue of humility. Matthew chapter 20, where Jesus redefined leadership and verse 26. Matthew chapter 20. Right? And um, let's start reading from verse 25. This was when the mother of Zebedee came to ask that one child should sit at the right hand of Jesus and the other at the left. Verse 24, and hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. Became angry. Because many times when we talk about leadership, what comes to mind is position. The position will occupy. And that's why you see people fight for positions all the time. Because what they look at is what they get from that position, not the service they would render. Praise God. Are you still here? But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men, look at this, their great men exercise authority over them. That's how you know greatness in the world. Exercise authority. You see, and that's why sometimes you cannot really know what is inside of people until they make a little money. You know, there's a way that poverty keeps you humble, Right? Yes, poverty just keeps you there because you really do not have many options in life. But just attain some level of wealth. See some level of exposure. Have some level of resources. Hmm? And then you, you just become someone else. 
There are people that are around you just wishing that, ah, let this person not be rich. They are not your enemies. They have seen that if money comes into your hand, oh, everybody else is nothing. That's why you see most times our number one prayer point is money. And we even tell God what we want to do with it. That once you bless me, I will let them know. <laughs> God says, oh, relax, relax. That's not why he gives you money. Can you still be humble when you have a position of authority? Can you still be humble when God gives you wealth? What is your concept of leadership? Is it about exercising authority? Is it about exercising authority? It's like you're in a class and the teacher just says, uh, uh, okay, I'm leaving for, for a few minutes. You are now the class captain. Everything around that person changes. He will, he will start smiling. Because he knows. Right? And everybody will comply. Then after school, they'll tell him, don't worry, one day it will be my turn. You will see what I'll do to you. Those people already have what they want to do with leadership. Not to serve, but to punish. What if we acted differently if positions of authority was given to us? It says, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. But look at the next verse. Jesus says, it is not this way among you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not this way among us. Jesus was clear. This is not the way it should be. It's not this way among us. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. You know, that's one word we don't like. Hello? Hey, come on. How many of you like the word servant? Eh? You'd even hear people say it. I'm not your servant. <laughs> Wives to husbands. You married a woman, not a servant. Yeah. Right. Huh? Husbands to wife. I'm your husband. I'm your Lord. Not your servant. <laughs> hmm? Children. When the parents send you to go and watch play, you don't say it loud, but you, you say it. I thought I'm his son. If you treat somebody like the prodigal son, <laughs> we don't like to serve. Nobody likes to serve. Right? Oh, nobody likes to serve. What do we like to do? Exercise authority. Hmm? As we're here, we just call you. Say you are now the personal assistant to the senior pastor of this church. <laughs> he was smile. <laughs> The God that sees the heart knows why he has chosen me. We like the position. We, we don't, when we hear that announcement, we don't see it as service. What do we see? Position. I'm now the right hand side. That's why you will say, I'm that person's right hand man. Position. As a husband, what about if you thought, your, if you thought about yourself being a servant in the house as opposed to being what? The Lord. Right? 
But instead of backing others left, right, and center, you decide to serve your children and serve your wife. I know it would not look good. The eyes of men. But what about if we choose to serve? What about if we redefine our understanding of greatness and leadership as service? What about if, if in a nation like ours, people, leaders looked at this concept of leadership and saw it as service? Would it make a difference? And see, in the kingdom, we don't think greatness in positions. We think it in service. And that starts from our home. Starts from our home. <laughs> if you want to become great, shall, it shall be your servant. Look at this. Next verse. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. How many of us like that word? Slave. How many of you like that word? See? Even though it's in the Bible, you don't like it. Right? You don't like slavery. Jesus said to serve. He says, if you want to be first, the route to becoming first is to be a slave. And this was a very, very strange concept because it, the, 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 the disparity or the difference between masters and slaves in those days was so far apart. And God was saying, if you want to become a master, the pathway in the kingdom to becoming a master is to be a slave. Learn to serve. Praise God. Are you here? This is the kingdom. This is Christianity. You know, the word of God in your heart should make you be able to serve others. If you're, if you're truly filled with the Holy Ghost, it should eradicate pride. Pompous words. Pompous look. Pompous approach. You know, I've said it here many times. You know, sometimes when we call people, those days we used to do a lot of calling. Now we've got people helping us with that in church. We used to call people you see the way they respond to you. Hello? Talk, 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 talk. <laughs> and then you know, say, my name is Max Alec, I'm pastor of KDC. Oh, hello, sir. What's that? What if I was not a pastor? And, and that's why sometimes you really don't know who respects you until positions are taken away from you. So just imagine tomorrow somebody came and said, oh, he's not supposed to be the pastor. And they just dragged me somewhere. Would that respect still be there? Because what we respect is not people. We respect the positions they occupy. Right? We respect the positions they occupy. And that's why when people are in positions, they really want to use that position because they know, <laughs> if I leave this position, <laughs> if they strip that position away from you, would you still be a leader? Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you here? Alright. The Bible says, verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, and we're going to, we're going to go, get into this, God helping us. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, how can you say Jesus did not come to be served? 
If you were Jesus, we're going to deal with it later. If you were Jesus, would you agree to leave all your glory, come to this world, not to be served? You know the resources Jesus had access to? Hmm? That he didn't use? The day he was to be crucified, Peter took out sword, pen, cut somebody's ear, Jesus healed it, Marcus's ear, Jesus healed it back and said, listen, if I want legions of angels, I can call. How many of you think that if you were Jesus and you had access to legions of angels, once in a while you would not have used it? Right? Have you seen people in our world today who know one or two people on their phones and something is happening before they know? Before you know, what happens? Their colleagues, are we, it's one call. I will change your life with one call. <laughs> Relax. It has not gotten there yet. It's unfortunate that pride is now something we boast in. Humility has become rare. In fact, when people are humble today, we see them as weak. Hmm? So you see couples that are married to quiet men and everything. Then the, the woman will say, don't worry, I know you. You are too soft. Let me handle this matter for you. You know, they say that, they say that, they say that until the man becomes hardened. Our world does not respect humility. And they shouldn't. Because the Bible already told us the difference between the kingdom and the world. And that's why you hear people consistently will say, if not for Christianity, I, will, I know what I will do to you. That means to them, this Christianity is, is depriving them of what they really think is the solution to the problem. <laughs> Are you hear what I'm saying? And that's how you realize that if care is not taken, sometimes if you go out of this place, you, you will not be surprised if your members fight. Just say, look, it's as fast as they lock the gate, say yes. Say, hold my Bible for me, I'm coming. <laughs> because they, they, you see, the Christian way does not bring results. I want, to, you see, I want to teach this person a lesson because Christianity is not stupidity. 1 Corinthians 1.1 1, 1. We, we have not come to agree with the ways of God. It's too weak. It, it's too... No. You show them something. Next time they will, not, they will fear you. So you don't mind people just say, hold my Bible for me. Say, hold my Bible. Just show Pastor Mary's not there. Teaching fruit of his spirit. Say, patience will not work this one. Forget. We are in the real world. This is not patient. <laughs> we have to fast forward in this world. We have not come to trust God. You see, faith in God is not only faith for things. It's faith in his wisdom. That if God says this way is the wise way, follow it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Faith in God is not just, oh God, you delivered me. Oh God, you set me free. No, God says, listen, if you want to be great, become a slave. Have faith in that statement. Praise God. Have faith in that statement. Have faith in that statement. Hallelujah. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others. Now, listen to this. Today, the Son of Man is saved by billions of people around the world. Did God's theory prove true or not? Proved true. Learn to serve. 
You know, many times, and I, I, I used to joke with this when I was teaching my singles in camp, and I would say, when, they want to, when you are looking for who to marry in church, look for the ladies that serves, the, the ones that goes to clean the restroom, cook, look for them. Look for those ones. Because hmm? those works, they're not very easy work. You know, not the ones standing in front with flour saying, Welcome, you're welcome, <laughs> you're welcome. That's easy. But you realize that at the end of the day, when you go to your own house and you are married, how many of you know you're not going to stand in front of the door and do your welcome? You're going to work. And that's why today it's, it's very easy. You just see a girl, I'm just trusting God, I want to just marry somebody who is rich because all these housework things, I'm not really cut out for them. Who do you think? was created for housework. So the person you want to employ to do the housework, do you think God created people in this world and say, you cut out for housework? You not cut out. You cut out for housework. Do you realize that it's, it's also someone's daughter or someone's son that you're going to use for the things you are not cut out for? You know, we never think of it that way. What I'm trying to tell you, child of God, is that money does not prevent you from serving. Don't ever think wealth was given to you so you will not serve. No. Service is a kingdom principle. That even when you are wealthy, you begin to use your wealth to serve. Are you still here? Come on, are you learning something tonight? Talking about leadership. Now, Psalm 25 verse 9 tells us something about humility. We're looking at that virtue of humility. Humility. To be humble. Psalm 25. He leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way. Two things God will do for the humble is to lead and to teach. Now, let me, let me explain something to you here. If you are not humble, you cannot be taught. Right? If you're not humble, you cannot be taught. You have to be humble to be taught. You have to be humble to listen to other people. You have to be humble to hear other people's views. If you're not humble, you cannot hear other people's views. Why other people are talking, you're trying to explain why you believe what should be done should be done. See, one of the greatest things I'm, I'm learning right now is to learn to listen. Because, I mean, I've got ideas on my head. And sometimes when you're talking, I mean, I'm already at the end of the project. I'm just learning. Because that can be a form of pride. And you will not see the things people are trying to share with you. It's the humble that God will lead. It's the humble that he will teach, not the proud. It's amazing that God will not teach the proud. He would lead the proud. So you cannot be an effective leader in the kingdom. You cannot be an effective leader in the world if you're not humble. Humility of heart. Right? Humility of heart. Some of us, we cannot be taught anything anymore. We know everything. Even in marriage, as a man, the fact that you're a man does not mean you're the wisest. We have to get used to it. Say the man must be at the driver's seat. The man must be at the driver's seat. You might be driving that car wrongly. Calm down. You might be driving the car wrongly. 
You might be headed in the wrong direction. It will take humility of heart to admit, hey, this direction we're going is leading this family astray. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you following what I'm saying? So never just feel, oh, because I'm a man or because I'm a man of God, I know everything. No, no. If you do that, you will no longer be taught. And you know, if you study um, history, Napoleon Bonaparte, that's one of the things that affected Napoleon. Conquered the world at a very young age. Full of himself. Looked at the world. Said there was nothing to conquer anymore. (laughs) Your success can get into your heart. Hmm? Your beauty can get into your heart. Very beautiful. Hmm? Anybody that comes to marry you is not in my class. It's not in my class. You will soon graduate without a classmate. You will soon graduate without a classmate. Nobody's in your class. They can't be in your class. No, you don't have classmates. One day you discover you have gotten to graduation. It's only you. No classmates. Then you start writing prayer requests. Left, right and center. Joining morning prayer, night prayer, midnight prayer. Why? You're full of your beauty. You can be so full of your knowledge. Nobody teaches you anything. And you know what? These things impact on your leadership ability because immediately you're full of yourself. You cannot lead anyone. Even if people are following you, they just follow you out of eye service. Right? Humility of heart. We must get back to scriptures again and begin to look at these things. You know, I was just thinking a few days ago about printing the fruit of the Spirit and having it and looking at it again. Those, those things, patience, self-control, endurance, long-suffering, you know, gentleness, kindness, brotherly kindness, and those fruit of the Spirit, and looking at them and meditating and measuring my life. How patient are you? How patient are you? Some of us are not patient enough for God to work out the things he wants to work in our life. Our life is already sorted. Hmm? You know, some of us, through impatience, we have destroyed things. And even natural things. They're opening the door, opening the door, opening the door. It's not open. For no, key has broken. Everything scattered. 7,000 has gone. Fruit of the Spirit would have prevented you. You know, I'm like that. I'm not very patient with things. I remember one time I went to her house. I put the key, turned it, it didn't open. I just called for Pastor Mary. Because, because, <laughs> because if I turn that thing twice, I will buy another one. I, I don't, I don't. But you have to learn it. Because it, it's, for, for a key, it might not be much of a difference. But you will know when that will transfer to your wife. Will transfer to your children. Will transfer to your job. Are you following what I'm saying? One thing I've realized in life is everything in your life right now will affect everything around you. That impatience at home, right, will show up in your job. It will show up in your finances. Have you seen people who who are not patient enough to work with their budget? They must buy. It's impatience. They must eat. It's impatience. Or self-control. Our last series. Huh? You see something from the show glass. It's calling your name. It's calling your name. It's calling your name. You remember self-control. You walk away. Humility. The Merriam-Webster defines humility as freedom from pride or arrogance. 
the quality or state of being humble. Right? Not proud, not haughty, not arrogant or assertive, not arrogant. Number two, it expresses or is offered in the spirit of submission. Submission. Ranking low in hierarchy. It's, it's to be low. It's as if you're putting yourself low. One day in this church, I taught on, uh, I think I was teaching on finance wisdom for living. And I said, if you're owing any person, go and apologize to them. And don't run away from them. Don't stop picking their calls. Don't give them stories. Go and say, see, I owe you. I, I'm sorry I should have paid this debt. Please forgive me. I will make a way to pay it. Two, three of our brothers acted on it. Right? Well, maybe a couple of people acted. But two of our brothers shared a testimony with me. One, uh, I think about 250 was forgiving him. The other one about 100,000. What do you think? Humility. Why do you think debtors don't apologize? Pride. Humility. So what I'm saying is the character of humility will not only affect your leadership influence, it will affect every area of your life. Praise God. There are people that would help you more if you were more humble. This has nothing to even do with wealth. There are poor people that are very arrogant. You cannot give them instructions. You cannot teach them. And I always ask myself, if you were this wise, why are you still like this? Why has not your wisdom moved you ahead? Praise God. I remember... Many years ago, we're still in worry then. And a young man came to me then and said he wanted me to mentor him. So he came to the house. He said he had this business idea. I've forgotten how much millions the guy mentioned then. Maybe five million or something. But some huge millions. I had this business idea. I wanted me to. So I said, uh, how much are you looking at? He mentioned the money. I said, sorry, I cannot mentor you. Because as of that time, if you take my generations three steps backwards, Right? <laughs> Down, add my father, add myself, and probably add my son. We have not seen that kind of money in our life. Then if you take his own generation and stretch it three more, that's six before him. You say you want to dream big. Is, it, is that how to start? So I said, sorry, I can't mentor you. Go and meet someone who had, at, at least at that time, I have not even seen one million you know, I remember the first time I got <laughs> one million <laughs> in my account. I was using Biro to count the zeros in my phone. One, two. You know, I remember how many zeros make one. That, I mean, that was years after. You know, sometimes it's humility of heart to admit that you are not somewhere yet. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? That that level, I'm not there yet. I want to dream big, but this is where my life is some of the most depressing things that happen to people is trying to live a life they are not. Hmm? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Trying to live a life you're not. And that's why when people come into leadership positions... They are not humble because that position covers for them. People are under them. They feel like, yeah, I have arrived. I can make a call. This will happen. I can make a call. This will happen. That humility of heart is not there. And you know, it happened to Nebuchadnezzar. 
He looked at Babylon and he says, look at the great city that I've built. And God looked at him and said, you become like a cow. You eat grass. He says, and your nails will grow like that of an animal. Nehemiah ate grass. I'm sorry, Nebuchadnezzar. Fed on grass. <laughs> oh. They didn't tell him when he now said, all glory belongs to God. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't go through tough times to humble you. Ask yourself one question. If everything you have away was if everything you have today was stripped away from you, would people still honor you? Humility of heart. Praise God. Now, the word humility is from the root word humus. Humus humus H-U-M-U-S is a Latin word for earth, you know, sand, you know, the earth. Actually, it's like saying you're facing down. Your face is on the, on the death, the earth. That's where that word humility comes from. To be low. To be faced ground to the earth. Like bowing down. Right? Almost like the way the Yorubas greet. Going down to the earth. Kissing the earth. That's what humility is. It's like you lower yourself deliberately. Hmm? You're not trying to show who you are. You know, I've taught you the wisdom of living less than you are or the wisdom of, you know, showing less than you have and all that. It's a wisdom you've got to learn. It's a wisdom you have to learn. That's what humility means. You come down. And if you lead people that way, you'll be able to influence them more. That's what Jesus did, right? The Last Supper. And I've told you how that plays out. On the day of the Last Supper, um, the lowest servant in the house ought to wash the feet of the disciples that came to eat because they used to walk this dirty road. And that day everybody sat down and nobody wanted to do it. And what happened? The Bible says, Jesus knowing that he came from the Father, was going back to the Father, took out his garment and did what? Washed his disciples. Leadership as a way of changing who you think you are. Right? And what you need. And the way you relate to those you are called to serve. Never allow your position or success change the way you view yourself. Why are we talking about kingdom leadership? Even in your business, how do you serve your customers? Do you serve from arrogance or you serve from humility? Do you serve from arrogance? Do you serve from that place of arrogance? Do you walk from the place of arrogance? Look at this. Humility is often misunderstood as weakness or lack of confidence. Nothing could be further from the truth. Humility is actually a strength. It's a spiritual strength. It allows the leaders to listen to others, to learn from their mistakes, and develop empathy for their team members. Humility is spiritual strength. It will allow you to listen to others. You would hear other people's views. You would learn from your mistake. You would develop empathy for the team members. That's what humility does. It's a strength. It's not a weakness. Don't see humility as weakness. Don't see a humble person like, oh, this person is weak. Praise God. I said praise God. Are you here? Let's read scripture. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 to 11. Philippians chapter 2 
and verse 3 to 11. Looking at humility. Leadership school. Developing our leadership capacity to influence the world. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2, everybody. Make sure you have this. Do nothing from selfish or empty concepts. Haughty, you know, spirits. Don't do anything from a selfish perspective. Not just for yourself. Not what is in it for me. Not what will benefit me. Don't do anything from that, right? It says, <clears throat> But with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourself. Hey, how did God say we should regard one another? How many of you think we do that? Hey, be honest. How do we look at ourselves? Huh? Hello? Do you look at the other person as more important than you? Huh? Talk to me, church. How do you... Don't worry, God is not looking. How do you see yourself? More important. Right? Huh? You know, if we were serving something now and they gave someone before you, hmm? how would you feel? You start writing essay. Is it because I'm short? Is it because... You now start saying a lot of things that nobody was even thinking of. Why? You just feel that mm -mm, they should give you first. Mm? We are the deacons in this church. <laughs> we are the elders. Eh? Instrumentalists. See, we are the instrumentalists in this church. <laughs> eh? This thing right here is tough. To regard one another as more important. Look at that. That's Bible. That's Bible. This right here is tough. Let's not just hurry over it. This thing here, imagine walking into your house as the husband and you regard your wife as more important than you. Just try it. Maybe you and your friend, you are discussing about marriage. And you say, well, I, I think my wife is more important. And you say, don't, don't, don't say it again. Don't, don't, don't say it. Say, don't, don't say it again. <laughs> Then they will now give you books to read to boost your confidence. <laughs> the way of the cross is death to self. You see, any one of the signs that you are maturing in the things of God is death to your flesh and to yourself. Look at this. Look at the scripture. Look at the scripture. It says, regard one another as more important than yourself. I regard my wife as more important than me. My wife regards... My, 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 myself as more important than her. I regard my children as more important than myself. My children regard me. Imagine the atmosphere in the house. Right? How many times as men do we settle for large pieces of meat at the expense of the family? Hmm? <laughs> Say, how many meat do you have there? Say, it's four. Say, bring three. Is for your father. And then the whole family will, will share one. And that's why you have pot belly. <laughs> to show the goodness of God. <laughs> I are going to the gym. And the gym is not doing anything because it's humility of heart that will cure that. 
by giving your portion away. You go to the gym, carry gym, you jog in the morning. You are just punishing yourself. This is the scripture that will cure that. Regard your family as more important. Give them a portion. Hallelujah. Do you look after your family before you look after yourself? Praise God. <laughs> How does this affect leadership? What about if you considered your team as more important than you and in working with the team, you seek how to develop them, how to make them better, right? Giving them resources to do their work more efficiently. Do you think you'll be a better leader? You would be a better leader. What about if you thought that as a leader in this church, my responsibility is that the people that, that walk around me get better, not that they are serving me, not that they are making me popular, but everybody that's around me, I want to see their life get better. You start serving them. Serving them wisdom. Serving them knowledge. Serving them mentorship. I realized something in this life. The greatest legacy we would live in this life is the lives of the people we touch. And the lives of the people we impart. Right? Yeah. Praise God. Are you here? Okay. So he says, verse 4. Verse 4. It says, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. It says, don't just look out for your own interest. You see, we, when we read scriptures like this, we are asking ourselves, what, how does this affect our life? If we live with these principles, we will become effective leaders. Looking out for the interest of others. Not just for your own interest. Why? Because the world looks out for your own interest. You know, sometimes I wonder, our governors and our presidents and our leaders in this nation, what about if they looked out for our interests? Huh? See how a few months ago they said uh, they want new Naira, they want new Naira. See how the, the stress people went through. Few for Naira. <laughs> what about if you looked out for the interest of your team of your organization of the church of the people around you would you become a better leader you will become a better leader as a business person what about if you looked out for the interest of your customer do you know the greatest challenge today with buying stuff in our nation is people selling things to you that are exactly what you really want to buy? Hmm? Go and price this. Buy milk. Think you bought full tin of milk. You open it. One quarter is empty. You go and buy meat. You counted it. Why the person was counting? Cutting. You counted. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You went back home. It was as if you didn't do mathematics. One, two, seven. You came this way. You counted seven. You what happened? Between the market and here, three pieces are gone. And because of safety, you, you held it in your lap so you knew nothing fell. 
But that person in his mind, he is wise. So we, <laughs> we teach people how to steal and call it the secret of the business. See, this business has secrets. And what that secret is, is stealing. You know, it has happened to me before. Myself and my dad went to Cameroon many years ago and we changed some money. And um, Calabar. You know, my dad counted his own. So I just, he said, count. I said, no, it's complete. Went back home. Oh, boy. You know, sometimes you think it's magic. But you now ask yourself, how can magic work for me? And you guys are just counting. What they will give to you? What? I mean, how do you call that wisdom? And let me tell you something. Why am I bringing this example? When you become a leader, you are not concerned about how much you can get from the people that are under you. What are you concerned about? How much you can serve them. You have six people working for you. You are quoted for six people. Don't take four. Hmm? You're a pastor of a church. Your focus should be on how to bless and impact your people, not how to bring a prophet to extract from them. See, don't worry. See, these people, ah, they don't give up. They start hearing, I don't, do, I don't used to do this before. I don't used to do this before. There are seven people here with seven, and they will pull out the money. That's not how to serve the people of God. That's not how to serve the people of God. Don't think of ways to get from your customer. Think of ways to be a blessing to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't sell fake things as real. You're not putting people's interests. And you know why I'm teaching all of these things? Because I believe that God is about to bring us to strong positions of influence in the name of Jesus. And God is going to use us to change the way things are done. And when you get there, you must not follow the way others do it. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you here? Alright. Look at this about Jesus. There are some things I want us to pick from that verse, right? There are some things I want you to pick from that verse. It says, Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. So this is what? An attitude. Everybody say an attitude. So humility is an attitude. It's, it's an attitude. It's something you have. It's an attitude you have around you. You know, let me tell you something. One of the signs that you're a humble person is that it's easy to correct you. You're easily, you can be corrected. You know, most people say they, are, they can be corrected. Just watch them when you are correcting them. That's when you know that it's not easy to correct them. Right? When you say, oh, this thing you have done, sure, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. I've, I've seen it. You have not seen it. Nothing in this life should tell you that you cannot be wrong. Never have the mindset that you cannot be wrong. And I'll tell you something. Most marital problems can be solved if one or both partners would agree that I'm wrong. If you see any marriage issue that has lingered for years, it's one person admitting that they are not wrong. It's one person trying to prove a point. A point that nobody else is seeing except themselves. 
So they talk to this person. Say, have you seen my point? They say, I'm not getting it. Say, you will not understand. <laughs> then they mean, for 10 years, nobody understands that point. How complex is that point? That's why sometimes your boss has stopped correcting you. Right? Sometimes you realize that your boss corrects you a lot. After a while, you realize that they are not correcting you. You see, let me tell you, if people are not correcting you again, that used to correct you, start thinking about it. Because a time will come. Whatever you do is correct. Because that's, that's what you have said you are. That everything you do is correct. A time will come. Anything you do, say, what do you think? Say, oh, wow. Wow. It's perfect. Praise God. Humility makes you accept feedback. And let me tell you, accepting feedback is not always praises. Right? Feedback sometimes means, hey, this thing you did, you didn't do it well. Praise God. I said praise God. Look at how Jesus did. He says, but who although he existed in the form of God, look at this, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Can you give me a simpler translation, maybe the New Living Translation or the Good News Translation? Look at this very important point. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He, in his mind, he did not think, oh, I, I'm one with God. I, I want to hold on to this. No, he let it go. This attitude is the attitude that fosters humility. That position you have, you don't think of it as something to cling to. You know, I'm the pastor of this church and that's everything in your head. Every time, I'm the pastor of this church. I'm the pastor of this church. Every time, every time, that's what you cling to. Before you know, you will not be relational anymore. You will, you will even start being pastor to your family. When they say, hi, daddy, say, don't talk to the anointed man of God like that. I'm telling you. They will start calling you apostle in the house. Say, apostle, have you eaten? Say, no. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Why? Because you are clinging to something. Am I saying you should? No, that's who you are, but it's not something to cling to. Look at this. Though he was God, yet he, yet he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Go to the next verse. Next verse, quickly. Verse 7, but emptied himself, taking on the form of what? Come on, let me hear that word. The form of what? Bond servant, or the form of a slave, and being made in the likeness of men. Look at what Jesus did. He came to this world as a man when he shouldn't. To suffer hunger, to suffer flogging, to suffer persecution. And look at, he saved us. See, redemption is the story of God's son coming as man. And that's the model we have for leadership. Emptying yourself to serve your family. Emptying yourself to serve your customers. Emptying yourself. Not putting yourself in one high horse. Clinging on to your position. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Go to verse... Eight, being found in appearance as a man. Look at this. He humbled himself. 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He humbled himself. Imagine when they were flogging Jesus. He had the capacity to come down from that cross. You see, let me tell you, humility is the fact that you have power, but you choose not to use it. Hmm? It's not every time you're exercising power. Every time you're using your position to exercise power. <laughs> Praise God. Found in the appearance of a man, humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Look at verse 9. What's the result of this? What's the result of this? For this reason also. For what reason? That attitude he had. What happened? God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name. God bestowed on him. As you begin to serve people, listen to me, genuine honor will begin to come out from people to you. Genuine honor. Not eye service. Genuine honor. There is nothing in this life to cling to. Nothing. Whether it's wealth, whether it's fame, whether it's position, whether it's intelligence, there's nothing to cling to. But if we want to make this world a better place as the citizens of the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom of God to every sphere of our lives, of our society, of our nation, we must cultivate humility. We must be humble. We must be humble. Look at the four things there. Number one, do nothing out of selfish ambition hmm? or vain concepts. That's the first thing there. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Don't do anything out of trying to make a name. Let it be in your heart that you really want to bless people. The truth of the matter is that the richest people in this world never set out that they were going to become the richest people in this world. Am I right? What did they do? They decided they were going to create a product to do what? To serve people. To help people. Ford did not set out to become you know, one of the richest people. He just said, I wanted a car that the common man can do what? Can use. Bill Gates wanted something, you know, that everybody could use on their laptop. So you realize that people who come into position of influence in this world, naturally in business and otherwise, they just develop products that can everybody can just use. They wanted to serve people. And you realize that people in this part of the world that want to become rich quickly, what do they do? They are not developing products. They are looking for who to kill. Because if your desire is to be rich, what's going to happen? You're not going to be humble enough to want to serve people. Huh? You just want to be a politician. And you know it's only in this part of the world that politicians are wealthy. In developed societies, politicians are not wealthy. That's why you see, you say, oh, uh, so-so prime minister riding on the train. They will be sharing the picture. You know, the prime minister here cannot ride on the train. If he rides on the train, it's his family that will call him. Don't you know what God has done for you? <laughs> Eh? That's why, see, that's why even for you, once the little increase comes, you change everything around you. And you know, wives and husbands, you need to watch this. It's not every time God increases you, you have to just change everything. Eh? They just gave you project bonus. You just told yourself, my children are not going to this school anymore. What happened? See, with all the money we have, they cannot relate to those people. People they have been relating with for eight years. Do not change them to eh, school where they are speaking English that the children don't even understand. So they spend one year to repeat the class. Then they say project has ended. <laughs> eh? 
They gave you bonus. Four bedroom flat. And there's nobody in those rooms except cockroaches and rats. But more TV. Say God has answered our prayer. <laughs> Satan has trapped you. Must you must you show that you are wealthy? Must people know? ask you one question tonight and answer it when you are alone. What what <laughs> what more would you have that would really make you happy? I'm just asking you. What more? I'm just asking. Eh? What more bag? What more shoe? What more eh? that you really feel if I can wear this shirt I'm happy. You know some of us have accumulated things. We just accumulate. And I like our people. When you die hmm? they are just waiting for you. Say oh 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 then they check. Say, have they covered it? Say, yes, they come. <laughs> they will open the wardrobe. Eh? In two days, in two days, if you see who will wear that your lace, you will rise from the dead. <laughs> Even in my own life, right? And I'm, I'm not just teaching you, I'm not just teaching you, I'm sharing my heart with you. Even in my own life, I am renewing my mind that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. I'm working on my heart that things don't matter to me anymore. Because I realize that until we walk in our hearts to that extent, we will chase these things for the rest of our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To be the next clothes, the next shoe, and you realize today that there are some shoes you have not used in the next one year. And can I tell you why that you are so attached to that shoe? Let somebody pick it out and say, can we give this shoe? I tell you, my friend, my friend, my friend, you can give your own, don't give my own. Now, you will think that by next Sunday, they will wear that shoe. It will do another two years anniversary. Until they will grow above the shoe. They say, no, don't leave it there, we lose weight shoe will still be there. Until one day they will discover rats had eaten a part of the shoe. Then they will mourn over the shoe for like two, two, two months. Ah! This is my shoe. Mm, mm, and finally give it out. When nobody can use it again. So what did you gain? And why am I bringing these examples until we realize and have this approach to life? We would use positions to acquire things as opposed to using positions to do what? To serve people. So when you start your business, right? What comes to your mind? How much I can get from people as opposed to how much I can do what? Serve them. So if we want to develop leadership, must have that humility of heart. Alright? So let me just give you this. Nine simple ways to exemplify humility in the workplace. And then we close. 
Nine simple ways to exemplify humility in the workplace. And we close. Has this message made any meaning to you? Say amen. Yeah. When the boss comes tonight, that's where to start from. Don't run to the front seat. <laughs> you, you are the, uh, yeah. See, I know you people. Once the boss comes and they are talking, boom, you are gone. Organize a seat for your family. Quickly. You sit down there. You sit down there. You spread. Whether someone enters the bus or not, know your concern. Then your wife will be healing. You say, you are a very smart man. I just see the way you squeeze us inside. I say, yes, I married the right man. (laughs) 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 I saw the way you were. Very fast guy. No, I say, Pastor, this thing does not work in the real world. <laughs> Praise God. But we, we need to trust the wisdom of God. Amen. Amen. You know, I was telling Pastor Mary, I think I was talking, we we're talking somewhere, and I was telling them that, I don't know, maybe it's just us. But you know, when we close, right? I mean, we stay in the parsonage. Even when we're not staying in the parsonage, some of you that were with us before we were, were staying outside. I, I, I was telling her that I don't understand how you would close church, for instance. Maybe because of church. I don't know, but maybe at this level and you know you just get into your car and drive and leave your members you're not concerned about how they will get home I, I don't know I don't know you, know, some of us, you, know, you think sometimes when we stay there waiting for you people to go it, we're just concerned the boss is not working with us oh what's happening to the boss we will, we will try to it's, we're not trying to say we are very humble it's just I, I can't imagine now I'm asleep and then you are there. You are waiting to get home. You have not got to try. So what is, I don't know. But we need to really have what we call compassion for others. It needs to flow from us. And not just in church. I'm not teaching you this in church. I'm teaching you for the world out there. You are trying to enter a, a bus. There's an elderly woman there. You, you push her aside and get in and sit down and start praying in tongues. What tongues are you praying in? Why isn't the Holy Spirit telling you that you haven't lived right? What about if you help that woman to get in? You see, until Christians begin to practice the word of God, society will have nothing to look towards. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number one, nine ways to exemplify humility at the workplace. I just want to give you this because of your work. Number one, credit other team members. Learn to share the credit. You're working on a team. Learn to appreciate everyone. And I can give you scriptures for this, if not for a time. If you go and read Romans chapter 16, you will see Paul acknowledging people. Can you put that up for me very quickly, my brothers? Romans chapter 16. Go to verse 3 and 4 quickly. Romans 16, 3 and 4. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also to the touches of the Gentiles. He says, I give them thanks. Look at Paul writing. The big apostles say, listen, this couple, I give them thanks for they risk their neck for my own life. Credit people. 
Paul would write from Paul and Timothy, my fellow worker. That was his spiritual son. Credit people. Learn to share the credits at work. Number two, admit your mistakes. It's humility to admit your mistake. Tell your neighbor, admit your mistake. Huh? When you make a mistake, admit it. Never, let me tell you something. Never grow above this word, I am sorry. It will heal your relationship. It will heal your marriages. It will heal, you know, just, oh, I'm sorry. I should have called. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Admit when you are wrong. Admit a mistake. Don't explain it. Admit it. Some of the most difficult people to work with in this world are people who will not admit mistakes. Once you point out their mistakes to them, they become barristers. They'll give you points. Say, eh, I agree, but, but, if you look at this thing carefully, what are we looking at? You have done something wrong. It's humility to admit mistakes. It's pride not to admit mistakes. Number three, accept feedback. Right? What's number one? Credit other team members. Number two, admit mistakes. Number three, accept feedback. Now, I've told you, feedback must not be positive. Right? Positive feedback is very good. Imagine if I finish now, finish, eh? and Pastor Mary told me, um, I don't think you should have used this point or used this story or said this. How, do you think I'm going to now say, ah, well, praise the Lord, I married a very intelligent wife. Do you think that's what I'm going to feel? What do you think I'm going to say? Out of all the message. Eh, I know, but with what bless you? What bless, you see, you're not admitting feedback because the, all, what's all the feedback we want to hear? Wow, there's no teacher like you in this world. Wow, even Jesus is learning from you. Those kind of feedback we want. We want feedback that will do what? Boost our ego. I'm not, I'm, I'm not scared about cutting people down, but in your heart, learn to accept feedback that are not even positive. Number four, offer to help other team members. Learn to help other team members. Don't try to take all the glory. Get other team members involved. Hmm? It's maturity to help other team members find their footing, find their way around the job. Get them involved. Thank you, Lord. Number five, be accountable. Humility makes you... You see, let me, let me explain this point to you. Accountability is a sign of humility. If you are not accountable, you, you don't want to be... You know, okay, so let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Accountability requires humility, right? Because you are an adult. Imagine you are an adult. Why should you tell me where you are going? Right? Why, why, I mean, you know some husbands are like that. <laughs> where do you want to know? Where, where, do you, where, where do you want to know where I'm going to? <laughs> okay. Now you have gone. So it takes humility to say, oh, my wife, I'm going this way. Right? I'm going that way. Oh, sorry, I'm delayed here. Some people want their wives to be accountable, but they don't want to be accountable. So if the woman leaves here, hey, this is your leg, I don't like this leg you are taking. But your own two legs are outside. They are not even inside. So it takes humility to be what? Accountable. Come on, say it takes humility to be accountable. See, pride makes a man not to be accountable. Hmm? Accountable. Learn it. Accountability helps you. It helps you. 
Praise God. Number six, ask for help when needed. Learn to ask for help. Are you here? Uh, when I say ask for help, I'm not saying uh, you understand. I say, ah, Pastor, I want to thank you for the message you preached today. <laughs> I like the number six points. He stood out for me. Ask for help when you need it. According, <laughs> according to not that kind of help. <laughs> right? But if you are struggling with that area of your life, ask for help. If you are struggling with that area in your job, ask for help. Hmm? Meet someone who knows that area and say, please, I, I, I think I'm struggling with this part of the machine or this aspect of the job. Can you help me? Ask for help. I'm struggling with my finances. I need help. And when help is offered, follow the help. Some people ask for help for the sake of asking for help, but they don't want to accept help. So ask for help. Come on, say it's humility to ask for help. Alright. Number seven, listen to others. Listen to others. Listen to others. Listen to others. It's good to listen to others. Number eight, treat your team with respect. Treat your team with respect. Whatever team you're in, treat them with respect. Praise God. Treat them with respect. And number nine, acknowledge team members' hard work. Acknowledge team members' hard work. Let me read something to you in Romans chapter 16 about Apostle Paul. Go to verse 12, Romans 16, 12. Greet Tryphina and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. You see, Paul recognized people who worked hard. Acknowledge when others work hard. You must not be the only one who you think is working hard. Learn to appreciate people when they work hard. Let's go through the nine things again very quickly. Nine ways to exemplify humility at the workplace. One, two. Number one, credit other team members. Yeah. Number two, admit your mistakes. Number three, accept feedback. Number four, offer to help other team members. Number five, be accountable. Number six, ask for help when needed. Number seven, listen to others. Number eight, treat your team with respect. Number nine, acknowledge team members' hard work. Praise God. Now, you know what you do? You go back, take these nine things, and look at them. Right? Anyone you know you are good with, ticket. Anyone you know you need to make adjustments, put an asterisk and be cautious of it. Are you blessed tonight? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you because, Lord Jesus Christ, you're positioning us and putting us in places of leadership and influence. And Father, we thank you because you're going to use us to transform, to change, to impact, to bring the kingdom of God to our world. And Lord, we pray that any area in this message where we need help, you said, he that lacks wisdom should ask from the Lord, I give it liberally, Lord Jesus Christ, we humble ourselves before you, and we ask for your wisdom, and we pray, Father God, that you will show us the ways to go around this, and to come out as perfect leaders, to change and transform our world, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. 
or you can call 0805 888 7575. God bless you.